Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. So on Wednesday nights, we're, we're doing a, a study called, the, uh, what I call, the, a bee study. And we've talked about be assured, and uh, we've talked about being joyful. And tonight we want to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk a little bit to you about the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, you know, the Bible teaches us, and we don't understand this. I don't understand this. If anybody tells you they understand the Trinity, don't buy any land from them in Florida because they're telling you a story. How, you know, we worship one God, one God who is the perfect union of three divine persons. Each person equal uh, and separate, but yet equal in, in essence and in attributes, separate personalities. So in the arithmetic of heaven, when it comes to the, the triune nature of God, one plus one plus one equals one. <laughs> and we know, and there are many Trinitarian passages in, in the Bible in which you'll find all three persons of the Trinity mentioned in one passage. Yeah, I think about the baptism of Jesus. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit of God uh, descended in the form of a dove upon Jesus and the, the, the heavenly father spoke. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So you have the father, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have the son. And, you know, uh, the great commission, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. So you have many Trinitarian passages. And, and, and so for us, we understand fathers, you know, we all had a father. We know fathers. We may be a father. So we get father. We get the concept of a father. Uh, we understand the concept of a son. We may be a son. We may have sons. We've seen sons. We know about sons. It's harder for us as people to connect with the spirit. <laughs> you know, that, that we connect with father. We connect with the concept of a son, but a spirit that, that's a harder thing for us to connect with. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit, I don't know, I guess for a want of a better word, doesn't receive the respect of the other two members of the triune God. Uh, some years ago, there, there, you know, there was this campaign where people were saying, I've got it. Now you got to go way back. Y'all are, you, you know, you know uh, when y'all get my age, you'll understand this stuff. You, you, you got to go way back, but there was this there was this campaign saying I got it, and there were bumper stickers, and the it they were talking about is the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's not an it; the Holy Spirit's a person. He is just as much a person as God the Father and God the Son. He is a person. His personality is presented in the Bible. The Holy Spirit speaks. He thinks. He guides. He can be grieved. Uh, he can he can be quenched. The Holy Spirit of God is a person. And, and so we are commanded in the Bible. You know, in the original languages, there, there are what are called imperatives. And, and an imperative is a command. When you, when you, you know, studying the original languages, you run into the commands that are in the imperative form. 
which means they are, a, they are a command. And the imperatives of the Bible have just as much weight as the Ten Commandments. We are commanded as Christians to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So tonight, uh, you know, I, I just want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. I have a good study. If y'all want it, I didn't print out but one copy, but if y'all want it, I'll print you more out. First of all, let's quickly talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? And the first thing we can look at is the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. Jesus said in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus told his disciples. For if I do not go away, the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The Holy Spirit of God convicts of sin. When you were saved, you came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. You had a sense of guilt over how you were living, over the things you had done. You had a sense of guilt and conviction about your sin. I remember that very well before I was saved. How the Holy Spirit of God convicted me. And, and there would be really intense times of conviction in my life. Because I, I grew up in a Christian home. I was exposed to Christian truth. I was brought up in a Christian church, but I didn't accept Christ when I was at home. And I was running from the Lord. And God had a plan and purpose for my life. He wanted to save me and then for some reason call me to the ministry. But I was resisting him. I was rebelling against him. I was not, I was using, I was not talking as I need to talk and living as I need to live. And the Holy Spirit of God really began to deal with me. I remember one time of conviction of sin in my life when I was a kid. I went to Antioch Baptist Church in the Houston Association, and that's between Walwick and Araby, on the Araby-Walwick Road, in the Paintville community. And you get off that, that road, and you go back in there, and there's Antioch Baptist Church. Well, that's the church I grew up in. Well, when I was a kid, we had a youth revival. And our youth evangelist came in, and he preached a sermon called, Here Comes the Judge. Do y'all remember Laugh-In? Seriously, where were y'all? Where did y'all grow up? You know, they, the show Laugh-In. They had a little segment on the thing that said, here comes the judge, here comes the judge. Order y'all, hey, y'all are much more holier than I am apparently because I, you know, I remember that. Well, he, this guy, he's a youth evangelist. He preaches this sermon on here comes the judge. And he's talking about, standing before the judgment of God. And he painted such a vivid picture. And I was in the youth revival in Antioch Baptist Church and it scared the wine out of me. And I was under conviction. And when we got home from the church, I got out of the car and ran into the cornfield. As I, as I hold my hand up, that's what I did. And my mom, after a while, she came out. It was dark. She said, Chris, where in the world are you? I said, I'm hiding in the cornfield. <laughs> I didn't tell her. I was under conviction of sin. It's the Holy Spirit of God who can, no preacher convicts you. Now, the Holy Spirit may use a preacher, 
to convict you. But it's the Holy Spirit of God who convicts us of sin. And when we believe in Christ, it is the Holy Spirit of God who does the work of regeneration in our life. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit who takes what Christ did at the cross and he applies it to our life. Titus 3, 4, and 6. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So when you gave your life to Christ, and that work of, of regeneration happened in your life. It was the Holy Spirit of God who took what Jesus did at the cross and he applied it to your life. Amen. And we are saved through the washing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God who makes what Jesus did at the cross real and valid in our life. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us. He regenerates us. Third, the Holy Spirit seals us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The word guarantee means a down payment. You go, some, you go somewhere and you go and buy something and it costs a significant amount of money and you want to pay over time. Whoever you're going to buy this thing from wants a down payment, which acts as a guarantee, a first installment. You make the down payment, and that gives the, the person who's selling this thing to you a little confidence that if you're going to give me a, a first payment, <clears throat> I can trust you to make all the payments. If you're going to invest that much money and give me that much money as the first payment, then I can trust you that you're going to pay out the thing. When you were saved, God gave you a guarantee. He gave you a first installment of everything that he's going to give you. And that first installment was the Holy Spirit of God. And he sealed you with the Holy Spirit. A seal was used in ancient times. You know, usually it was a wax kind of thing. They'd put, you know, they'd melt some wax and then they'd take a ring or something. They'd push the image into the, to the wax and then it would harden and the thing would be sealed. And it would represent ownership. And it would represent something to guarantee something. Don't break the seal or I'll come get you if you break my seal. And this guarantees ownership. When you were saved, God sealed you with the Holy Spirit of God. A seal that cannot be broken. He sealed you. So the Holy Spirit of God is God's seal of ownership in our life. He's the down payment. He's the first fruits. He's the first installment. See, what we have received in salvation so far is just a little bit of everything God's going to give us. Now, what he's given us so far is pretty great, isn't it? We've been born again. We're children of God. You know, that what we've gotten so far is pretty good. But it's only a sliver. It's only a little bit of all that God is going to do for his children. And so the first installment of everything God's going to do for his children is the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us. 
The Holy Spirit guides the believer, John 16, 13. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. Galatians 5, 25, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. The Holy Spirit of God guides us. There are two things that, that we can rely on to guide us in the paths that God wants us to, to go in. That's the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God guides our life. And the word of God guides our life. Now, let me tell you the relationship between the word of God and the spirit of God. The, the, the spirit of God will never contradict the word of God. Never. The Spirit of God and the Word of God will always be in agreement. I've had people come to me and they, they're, they're wanting my approval for them to do something that is obviously wrong. And they will say, well, I feel like God is leading me to do this. And they, they want me to say as a pastor, as a man of God, well, yeah, that's okay. But what, they're, what they feel like God is leading them to do is in contradiction to what the Word of God says we should do. The Word of God, the Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. Never, never. They are in agreement one with another. So if you read something in the Bible and it, and it, it lays on your heart that what you're wanting to do is wrong, then it's wrong. And the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something in contradiction to the Word of God. And so the Holy Spirit guides our life. Now, when I have to make a decision, I'm not good at that. When I have to make a major decision in life, like, you know, I've had occasions where I felt like God was leading me to leave one church and go to another. That's a scary thing, and I hate that. I hated that. I always told Miss Harris, you make the decision. <laughs> she said, I'm not doing it. I just want to stay. I did, yeah. She said, I don't wherever. And, and so I can't turn in the Bible to Galatians and it says, Yes, Crithus, thou must movest to the other earth's churches. It didn't say that, you know, in Galatians. And so I, I asked God to help me to understand it. And so here's how I test something. I pray about it a long time. I pray about it. You test it by prayer. Second of all, I convince myself it's something I should not do. <laughs> not doing this. Not doing it. Not doing it. Don't want to do it. Not doing it. And see, if God wants me to do it, then he'll work on me until I do it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit of God will guide us. But he'll never guide us in the wrong direction and in the wrong way. So the Holy Spirit of God guides us. The Holy Spirit of God comforts us. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. The word is helper. The word is advocate. One who, one who stands up for us. One who helps us. One who gives us comfort. And the Holy Spirit of God is, is, a, is a comforter to us. I've... Ask for, and I have received the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God on many occasions. You know, there, there have been occasions when I've gone before the Lord and I just say, Lord, I need a hug from heaven. Have you ever done that? But Lord, today had been a hard day. Today had been a rough day. You know, 
Maybe things didn't go my way. Maybe, you know, I had all kinds of stuff going on. And I'll say, Lord, I'm your child. You're my heavenly father. And I'm telling you right now, I need a hug from heaven. And sometimes he'll use Miss Iris to give me that hug from heaven. That's all right. Her arms becomes his arms. Sometimes, you know, he'll just give me a sense of comfort, sense of peace. The Holy Spirit of God comforts us. He's our comforter. He will draw near to us. He will give us blessed assurance and a touch from heaven. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit of God who empowers believers, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit of God comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses, witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's the Holy Spirit of God who empowers us to ministry and, you know, empowers us, enables us to do those things for the Lord that, that we want to do. So the Holy Spirit of God gives us power, spiritual power. Man, before I get into the pulpit, I always pray. I'll say, Lord, here's my assessment of me today. I ain't worth two cents. I'm not strong. I'm not smart. I don't understand a lot of things. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And so if you're going to get something done today, it's going to have to be you through me. So I pray for your anointing, your presence, and your power, for your honor, and for your glory. I know the power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever witnessed to somebody you didn't want to witness to? <laughs> the Lord lays it on your heart to witness to somebody and you don't want you, you don't want to. You just, you don't want to. Okay? But you know you need to. And the Lord lays that person on your heart. Oh, God, help me to have the good sense, the presence, the power to be able to witness to this person. It's the Holy Spirit of God who empowers us. And finally, these are not all of the things the Holy Spirit does, but the Holy Spirit of God gives spiritual gifts to believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation, that is the gift of the spirits, the gifts of the Spirit, are given to each one of us for the profit of all. 1 Peter 4, 10. Each one of us has received a gift to minister to one another. When you were born again, God gave you a birthday gift. How about that? When you were born again, not only did you receive the gift of salvation, but God gave you a birthday gift, and that birthday gift was a gift of service and enablement that the Holy Spirit of God gives you in a special way to minister to the people of God and to edify the church. He gave me the, the gift of preaching, the gift of being a pastor. He gives other people different kinds of gifts. And, and these are special in endowments, special abilities. Sometimes they're based on natural abilities, but sometimes they're not. I've had preacher friends of mine who, before they got into the ministry and became preachers, they, would, they were scared to death to talk to anybody and would never think they'd speak to a crowd. But God called them to the ministry. He gave them that gift. And they worked on that thing and worked through that thing. And now, you know, they've become preachers. 
Every one of us has a gift of service that the Holy Spirit of God gives us that we are to employ to edify the church, to make the church strong, to be what the church wants it to be so that we can reach out to the world for Christ. Some people have, have the gift of working with youth. Some people have the gift of working with children. Some people have the gift of working with senior adults. Some people have the gift of organization. Some people have the gift of encouragement. Some people have the gift of giving. There's different kinds of gifts. The gift of praise, playing these instruments, the gift of praise. People, and so the Holy Spirit of God gives us that gift. Now, one of the things we need to do is find our gift and use it. Find our gift and, and use it and, uh, to build up the church as God would have it be. So that's some of the things the Holy Spirit of God does. Now, I'm going to run over this quickly. Y'all need to listen fast. Here's what the Bible teaches. The moment a person gives their life to Christ, they are at that moment indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? John 7, 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow, living, uh, flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. The moment a, a believer person gives their life to Christ, at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within them. The word dwell means a permanent residence. Doesn't mean a temporary, you know, stay. Like when you go to a motel room, you don't dwell in a motel room. You stay there for a short period of time. That's not your dwelling. That is your temporary place. But the word dwell in you has the sense of a permanent residence. In other words, when you give your life to Christ, at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within you. Now, for me, that is a mystery. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. You know? But it happens. And it's true. Other, and, and the Bible says that, that if, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you're not, you're not of Him. You don't belong to Him. Um, Romans 8, 9 through 11 but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised him from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the moment you give your life, it's the Holy Spirit of God who makes salvation real. It's the Holy Spirit of God who does the work of making us a new creation in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit of God that does the work of salvation, takes what Jesus did at the cross, makes it real in our life. So the moment we give our life to Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That means wherever you go, you carry God with you. You don't go to church. You are the church. 
I mean, when you're on the beach at Panama City Beach and you're sitting out there on the beach, God's with you. He dwells in you. Wherever we go, God is with us. And we are with God. That's an, that's, that's an amazing thing to think that God in the person of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, to live within us. So the dwell, we're never commanded to be dwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Bible never commands us to be dwelt by the Holy Spirit. But the Bible does command us to be filled with the Spirit. So there's got to be a difference. There's a difference between the dwelling of the Spirit, which is permanent, which is a one-time event, which happens the moment we give our life to Christ. There's a difference between the dwelling of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit because we are commanded to, on a continual basis, to be filled with the Spirit who dwells within us. So what does that mean, to be filled with the Spirit? Well, the, the word filled has the idea, it's not the idea of taking a, a, a cup and pouring it till it's full and running over. That's, that's not the word at all. The word filled has the idea of being under control of something. The people in Nazareth, the Bible says, were so angry with Jesus on one occasion that they wanted to throw him off the cliff and kill him. You remember that? Luke 4.28 says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. In other words, wrath was controlling them. They were so angry that that anger controlled them, took control of their life, and it motivated them to try to kill Jesus. To be filled with the Spirit means on a daily basis, we yield control of our life to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The filling of the Spirit is something that we are to do on a daily basis. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And so the filling of the Spirit, we're indwelt when we're saved. Every day we are to seek to give the control of our life to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Being filled with the Spirit is not an experience that happens to us. Like all of a sudden in church, boom, you know, we have this thing. No. It is, it is a decision of a person to be drunk with wine. They decide, I'm going to get drunk with wine. And just as it is a decision to be drunk with wine, it is a decision that a person makes to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, on a daily basis, as you begin your day, you are to go before the Lord and say, Lord... I know the Holy Spirit of God dwells within me. The Holy Spirit's my friend. He's my guide. He's my comforter. He's my helper. He's the presence of God in my life. And today, today, Lord, I want to live my life under the control of the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within me to guide me and direct me and lead me, fill me with the presence of Christ. 
Help me to be a Christian out in the world. Help me to act as a Christian, react as a Christian, think as a Christian, relate to people as a Christian. I don't want to be controlled by the old flesh that still lives within me. I want to be filled with the Spirit today. And so we recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit and we ask the Holy Spirit of God to guide us. I do that every day. I go before the Lord and say, Lord, now it's Tuesday, Lord. And I know somebody's going to make me mad today. And I'm going to want, the old flesh is going to want me to cuss them. Now, Lord, I'm a Christian. I ain't supposed to be cussing nobody. <laughs> right? You know? And so I say, Lord, just help me today to live as a Christian. I can't do it on my own. I need the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within me. And so help me today. Help me to act as a Christian, react as a Christian. Help me to be controlled by the Spirit. Help me to live as you would have me to live. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God today. So the Holy, being filled with the Spirit is something we do on a daily basis. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit the moment we're saved. That indwelling is one time permanent. He is with us. But every day we are to purposely yield control of our life to the Holy Spirit who lives within us. You will either be controlled by your flesh, the residue of that old lost life that still lives within you until you go to heaven, or you're going to be filled with the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit and how you act and how you live during the day. So you have to make a choice. Either the flesh is going to control me and I'm going to talk like the world and act like the world and react like the world or the Spirit's going to control me and I'm going to live and act as God would have me to act. You make the choice. And so every day we're to say, Lord, I want to be filled with all. It has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. has nothing to do with jumping over pews. has nothing to do with all that kind of stuff. has nothing. You know how you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You look for the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You look for the fruit of the Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit is in charge of your life, he will produce his spirit, his fruit in your life. Now, quickly, y'all are not listening fast enough. Let me give you, what does the spirit feel life look like? What does the spirit feel life look like? Number one, it is a life of obedience to the Holy Spirit. Number two, it is a life centered on the person of Jesus Christ. Number three, it is a life founded on the word of God. Number five, it is a desire to grow in holiness and godliness and obedience. Is that four or five? Number four. Number five, a lifestyle of fellowship with the believers. A lifestyle of worship and service. A lifestyle that reflects and shares Jesus. A lifestyle that exhibits the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How do you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? It has nothing to do with, you know, didn't, whatever. Some people says it does. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will produce His fruit in your life. You look for love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love the Holy Spirit. He's my friend. I speak often to the Holy Spirit in my prayers.
He's my friend. He's my helper. He's my God. He puts up with a lot of my life. <laughs> Bible says we can quench the spirit. We can grieve the spirit. But the Holy Spirit is my friend. He's my helper. He's my divine comforter. He's my guide. He lives within me. And he's got it. You know what the Holy Spirit's job in your life is ultimately? To make you more like Jesus and less like the world. His job in your life, his purpose in your life is to make you more like Jesus and less like the world. That's called sanctification. The moment we're saved, we're justified. When we're justified, we begin the process of being sanctified. Sanctification is a lifelong process whereby the Holy Spirit of God works in our life to make us more like Jesus and less like the world. When we die, we're glorified when we go to heaven. Just justified, sanctified, glorified. Amen. Amen. That's what God does. So the Holy Spirit, remember that song? He's still working on me to make me what he ought to be. Let's see. If it took him, took him whatever to make moon and the stars. Yeah. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's working in us. And, and for some of y'all, he's working overtime. Y'all ought to help him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll take, every now and then, he'll take some heavenly sandpaper and rub on you to get the rough edges off. Those are those hard times, those tough times, when those challenging people come into your life. He'll take heavenly sandpaper and he'll work on you and rub you and he'll want to knock off the rough edges, edges of your life. You know, that's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit does to make us more like Jesus and less like the world. And that's his ultimate purpose in our life. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truth for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.